Hey there, welcome to Extreme Ag, and we're talking about labs. We're talking about labs that we're doing with AgroLiquid, one of our business partners. I've got Matt and Lane Miles, McGee, Arkansas, along with Molly Alexander. She's the Southeast Regional Agronomist for AgroLiquid. Wealth of knowledge, and also we're talking about some really cool stuff that we're going to be doing at Miles Farms. These labs that we're doing in conjunction with AgroLiquid seek to solve problems, to learn stuff that you can apply to your farming operation. In this case, we're talking about cotton. You know, the only cotton production that happens among the extreme ag producers happens at Miles Farms. Uh, Chad got out of the game a few years ago. And so we're going to be doing a pretty cool cotton lab down there. And I want to hear all about it. Specifically, it's addressing uh, putting nutrients in way of potassium, sulfur, and calcium to the cotton crop. So, Molly Alexander, what are we doing in Arkansas at the Miles Farms in conjunction with AgroLiquid to teach some people how to grow better cotton? So, to preface it, I've been asked multiple times on cotton, how do we push the envelope? Because inferro is not a huge practice, two by two is not a big practice, but there's so many opportunities to go over the top of cotton. And so I think that's a place that we could actually find a fit to get some benefit out of this. So this year, as well as last year, based on tissue tests that I've seen all over the area, cotton reaches a plateau about when it switches from vegetative to reproductive stage. And that potassium after reproductive stage just plateaus and then drops completely off. And at that point, most of the time farmers are looking at maybe applying just methoquat and, um, they'll put in boron to feed it throughout just to hey, help hey, for wait, wait, real quickly. Nepiquat? Nepiquat, also called picks. Okay, and what's so that? It's a growth regulator. It stops the cotton from trying to grow into a big, massive tree. Like, fun fact, if you don't kill off cotton, it will grow for two years straight into a very woody, large tree. <laughs> so, yeah, Nepiquat no, is a growth regulator. As I recall, when we were at uh, Miles Farms last May, you told me that, and then you taunted me that there were poisonous snakes in a drainage ditch next to the alligator, because you know I'm afraid of that stuff. So I remember you telling me all of those things in between taunting me. Um, Miles Farms, I want to hear from both of those guys. Um, you've grown cotton. Uh, Matt, you talked about growing cotton growing up. I mean, obviously it's an area that grows cotton. Cotton was king. Cotton made more money. You told me that if you have a landlord, they want you to produce cotton. Cotton's more profitable. You know cotton. Cotton's right there, man. It's what you guys do. You also told me that cotton is a plant, according to your father. Your father used to tell you that cotton is a plant that looks for a way to die every day. Um, so I've learned more about cotton since talking to you guys than I ever thought I could possibly learn. Um, this lab what excites you about it i mean is it really is it is it really going to change anything or are you going to be like yeah i don't know uh we still got about the same but just tell me what you think well the more we farm the more the more we've been with extreme ag the more we've tried to start doing not necessarily high yield crops but a better job growing what we're growing we, we're starting tissue samples you know 10 years ago we didn't pull tissue samples unless we had a uh, variable rate fertilizer, you know, grid sampling. We're, we're fine tuning the things that when my dad grew up was just, you put out this maintenance rate of fertilize, you put the boron and the picks on there and keep the weevils and the worms out of it. And, and that's what you get. And, you know, something we started seeing as we've done tissue samples, what's got me excited about this plot and uh, is uh, the fact, and see Lane grew up with all this. So as he started farming, we were already doing some of these practices. Mm -hmm. Probably hit it again on the head 
during reproductive stage, especially when you're starting to get heavy bowl load, a, a cotton plant will absolutely tank in calcium and uh, in potassium. Those are two things when you pull a tissue sample that you cannot keep the levels up in. Now, some of that could be that it's going into the bowl, you know, but you can tell visually the plant when it starts getting that red leaf around the bracts on the fruit that it's starting mm -hmm. a, a, a potassium deficiency. So having agri-liquids recognize that and, and start attacking that prog pro program. Three or four years ago, we started attacking it by putting out split applications of granular potassium. You know, that's expensive. It's, it's, it's bundlesome. It's, you know, a lot of times you can't get to it. You got to hire an airplane to do it or whatever. With the products that they're coming out with now, we can, I call it Band-Aid because you've got your base fertility down there, supposedly enough to grow the crop. And it starts running out because it's not available to the plant. So these, these practices that we're, we're doing here is, is got me excited because I know these things are going on and there's not been a really lot we could do to it. Getting calcium in a plant from a foliar standpoint is tough. Yes. So, and, and now it, it's starting to be where some of these products are able to get the calcium into the plant, move the needle. So, these are making difference on yields as we've seen last year in our lab. Tell me how you're going to do this because you just said getting calcium in and a foliar thing. So real quickly for the person like me, your cotton gets planted. And so walk me through the, what you're going to do, Molly, or what the Miles guys are going to do. They're going to put down your product, capitalize at time of planting and then come back again. And just kind of tell me what your method is going to be for the for this lab. So this year we actually are going to do everything in a foliar standpoint. So last year we decided to run a fulvic in the furrow and then came back and then split it up at different critical timing points. Um, so we did like match head square, moved on to first bloom, third bloom, and then followed up with the next three applications of the Mepiquot. What's the one you first said at match head square? Is that what you said? <laughs> yes. That's so a growth phase. Is this a hey, Lane, 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 listen, man, you're my buddy. Are these people just jacking with me because I'm not from the South? Match Head Square? Is this like a place where we meet and have and have like uh, drinks? We got Pinhead Square too. Oh, for God's sakes. This is a real growth phase. Yes, a very important one. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Right. This cotton was was grown is grown in the South. So our terms. You know, that's like, they ask me how deep I'm going to plant corn. I say two knuckles, you know, <laughs> not two inches, but two knuckles. Cause each one of those knuckles are an inch. So. All right. So, so match head square. And so you just said, you gave me match head square, first bloom, second bloom, et cetera. So those are obviously growth phases in the cotton just for the fun of it. Uh, roughly. Is that like at three weeks after planting four weeks after planting? Just cause I'm kind of curious how often you're going to be going out and putting on this uh, capitalized product. So that was that was a pre, uh, plan for last year. This year, like I said, we're going to gear it more towards closer to that first bloom, third bloom, and then later on because that's when we start seeing the deficiency more so than early on. So we're actually going to marry this product with a fulvic acid, which will definitely help move that calcium, potassium, and sulfur throughout the plant. So last year where we put the fulvic in furrow, this year, since we're going heavily foliar, we're going to marry it with that fulvic acid that will act as a carrier. So that's what is going to help address Matt's concern, too, with actually trying to physically move calcium within the plant. But you, you will apply it foliar. Yes, everything this year is going to be foliar. Okay. 
Yep. Um, Lane, are you going to have to be going across the field just to put on her product or are you going across the field that much anyhow? No, that that's actually the cool thing about what the way Molly's d designed these labs is, you know, in cotton, we, we, I mean, we have, when I mean multiple applications, I mean, I'm, we're talking like six, eight, 10 different applications because we're spraying bugs so much. Spraying, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot more, uh, I'm call it labor intensive than say corn or beans. Uh, but yeah, so she's designed everything for, you know, I gave her some timings on when we're going to go across the field estimated and, you know, kind of when kind of, you, you were asking, you know, when match head, pin, pin head, first bloom, all that is. Uh, and that's the good thing about what she's done. She's paired every, every one of these folders up with a specific timing of when we're going to go across the field. All right. So you're going to, you think, use this product, uh, no, nothing at time of planting, nothing in the ground. And this, this will complement another, there are other, they're going to use other base level fertility this is a compliment to that, right, Molly? Yes, yes it is. But I also, I just want to make a note for people that aren't really familiar with cotton. Inferro and two by two is not a widely adapted practice in cotton, period. So for us to do that in furrow, that might get ahead of the game and we have that data as we need it if that practice starts coming into, you know, it's more adapted. But as of right now and years past, it's not very common. So my trials and my labs are geared more towards what fits now and might fit another three to five years down the road. And that's where the potassium deficiency and calcium deficiency has just been so in my face the past couple years. And so we designed this lab to go after that where the farmer, if they don't have infro or two by two capabilities, this is gonna fit their practice as a whole regardless. Matt, you said that when the cotton plant starts to put on those bulls, it's when you have a huge calcium deficit. That's what you said. And then you also mentioned sulfur, but you didn't mention, mention potassium. But this product capitalized from agroliquid spelled with a K is obviously all about potassium. So it seems like it's a potassium load and has a, has a couple of other things tossed in for the fun of it. Those are the two that you mentioned. Which one's most important? Uh, yeah, I thought I mentioned the, the potassium also. When I was talking about the red bracts on the bowls, Mm -hmm. Where you start seeing a physical deficiency, that's that's the potassium. Mm -hmm. I mean, cotton's always been a and, and cotton's a taker. It's never a giver. It's it's one of the biggest takers of fertility of any crop we grow. Rotating behind cotton is not an advantage okay. because up all the nutrients. It it, it, it also mm -hmm. will be a luxury user of some some nutrients. But potassium, in my opinion, other than nitrogen, is it, it your potassium or nitrogen is your nitrogen and your potassium are the top two. Phosphorus would be next, but you can't forget these micronutrients. For instance, calcium. If, if your plant's always deficient when it's trying to put on its fruit load of, of any particular micro or macro, mm -hmm. you know, that's that stress. And, and the name of the game is reducing stress. About the lab that you're going to do here, uh, we always talk about compatibility. You're going to be putting this stuff, Molly, in with... Uh, herbicide or more importantly mm -hmm. it sounds like insecticides because they fight bugs uh, mm -hmm. right lane you what you said you fight bugs starting like in june july is that roughly what we're talking about somewhere in that, that hot part of the summer all year right. <laughs> all year on cotton. from pinhead square damon damon until i get in trouble lane gets mad at me for, for mispronouncing your name because he says you get mad at me too so I, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast but <laughs> from pinhead square till 
just prior to uh, to defoliation, every seven to ten days we have an insect problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that Molly, give us the dates on that. What would you say average that would be? How many weeks? Probably. Oh, yeah, we talking about we talking about from spider mites to thrips all the way through to plant bugs and boll weevils. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's literally from planting to I'd say three to four weeks before harvest. So if we plant in May and decide to harvest, say in October, yeah, so May, June, least, July, August, September, a six months worth. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got an easy four months. So are you going to be putting this stuff in, you're going to be putting it with herbicide and for sure with insecticide, possibly you do fungicides, right, on cotton? Yep. Okay. That's something that wasn't, wasn't normal either. That's something that's, it's a new practice. <clears throat> and I so on, on this lab, what we're doing different from their normal practice, Molly, is what? The the dosage or the frequency? Or what, what are we doing differently than what they're going to do on their non-lab cotton acres? So the difference solely is going to be the fact that they're swapping from dry applications into a liquid application. And then we're breaking this liquid application up into a spoon feed approach. Instead of saying, oh, we put a little dash of nitrogen on mid-season and then we try not to uh, do any fertility later on. Now we're going to do fertility throughout almost every application that they go across in a spoon fed approach. Wasn't that, that one way. of the big things? Wasn't that one of the big things we heard when we were in Louisville, uh, Matt and Lane, that you talked about his me the method that Miles Farms used to be go out and just broadcast dry fertilizer and then be done with it. And now because of working with business partners like AgriLiquid, you're learning it's more labor intensive, but the benefit is there to justify the dollars to do it. Yes. Oh, yeah. We we feel like even, even this year, um, we, we run some numbers yesterday and, and the cost of nitrogen and granular, which would be urea versus the cost of nitrogen liquid, which would be a UAN type product is about $40 an acre difference. Mm -hmm. So we're going to spend $40 an acre this on corn more on our nitrogen than we would. We can go out here and spread this granular easier, yep. cheaper faster. and faster. And with, le with less man hours, less labor. But, but we're putting this fertility at the base of the plant. So by the time you figure the efficiency in there, this is going to be a tough year to make it pay. But we still think, we still think it's going to pay to have the liquid. So speaking of thinking it's going to pay, Lane, you're the numbers guy. Uh, last year's lab and then this year's lab, uh, numbers from last year and what you hope to see this year on cotton. And I don't know much about cotton, but you said something about 86 cents or 86 pounds. Or just give me the 86 there. Yeah, so it was 88. But uh, – uh, yeah, so we we had an 88 pound positive yield on our lab last year, which, with long story short, would be a positive ROI on on dollars per acre, you know, of what we spent versus what we got. You mean 88 uh, pound, 88 pounds in excess of cost, 88 pounds of of profit. 88 pounds, 88 pounds of of yield gain in in those two against those one versus the other. And uh, and that's at, and that's at roughly how much a pound. Last year was a just say a dollar dollar ten. Okay, so which is, not, which is not a normal normal deal, but I mean, it, normally I would say it's around that ninety cent. Mm -hmm. It's just like grain; it depends on how you book it. So eighty eight bucks. So eighty eight bucks of uh, benefit of, of bonus yield you got from the lab, and then if it costs you, what do you think in the cost is to get you that eighty eight bucks? A third of that? That's probably a Molly question. I, I can't. <laughs> 
remember exactly what it was, but I think it was in the 40. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, I want to say it was not having it in front of me, which is my fault, but roughly between the 42 to 47 dollar an acre game. Okay. So we we took we took that we we doubled we we got we got two two to one on our investment. Yeah, two to one is a very fair way to say that. Yes. Damien. So even at 80 cents, you're still getting a positive ROI. You know, if you look at what, you know, $70 an acre and it costs us 40 to 50, you're still getting, you know, I don't have to have a two to one. If I can get my money back plus, I mean, if you give me a hundred, I give you 120 back every day, you're going to do it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, one thing Molly about this uh, lab, and I wonder if this is where you and AgriLiquid are looking down the road, the old style method of just going out and flinging tons and tons and tons of dry fertilizer out there. We know it wasn't as efficient. We know it's easier as Lane talked about. We know it's less manpower and it's cheap, but I think the environmental issue is going to continue to make it so we cannot do that. Is that one of the reasons we're doing this lab? Yes. So one of the things that I love to say is Dry feeds the soil, liquid feeds the plant, but they are a hand-in-hand -hand marriage. There is no reason to cut out one or the other. And because the environmental standpoint is starting to come down the road rather quickly, and they're starting to test for runoff and things like that, they're going to start pushing these mandates to more or less feed the plant at the time it needs it versus keep putting so much input into the soil. And then you run the risk of it leaching out and things like that. So to answer your question, Yes, this is a way to combat that in the future and get ahead of it when it does finally hit these farmers. What's success going to look like? How will you feel success? I heard it from, uh, from Matt Lane. He said, if I give you 100 bucks and you give me 120 back, I'll do that every day. But you want to do better than that? What's, the, what's going to be success in your mind? What will you look at this lab and say, by golly, that worked? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't say that, that he didn't hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you, if you can get me more than what I gave, I'll take that any day. I mean, if you give me 105, I mean, 105 is more than 100. Well, we, um, well, we, we, we'll know this. When's, when's the cotton get harvested? September? Like, mostly October. Yeah, it's October. All right. And then I want to do a revisit on this sometime in the mid season, some way, uh, if I'm down there, because I want to know, will we see, will we see the results like in August, July? Will we see it or will we not know until the cotton picker goes? It depends. So, I mean, you, right at that point, you got to remember cotton switches from vegetative stage as a small tree to reproductive. So you'll be able to see blooms. Um, you'll be able to see like overall plant health, maybe color, height difference. And then when you see the bowls start to set is when you can really start going ahead and almost measuring your yield from when the bowls set. Okay. So, so there will be some visuals. So a month, a month before the cotton pickers go, at least we're going to start to know that this is working unless, unless they get hit with a, a hurricane and then all of a sudden, you know, all bets are off. Right. Yeah. All right. Her name is Molly Alexander. She is a regional Southeast regional uh, agronomist for agro liquid conducting two big labs at uh, miles farms, McGee, Arkansas. We're doing a row rice nitrogen uh, uh change and we're going to see what that does which is kind of a big deal and another episode we recorded about that and then the one we just uh, talked about a potassium sulfur and calcium product product name again molly capitalized spelled with a k and that's going to be for cotton and it's the idea there is we're spoon feeding nutrition at all all foliar all post-emergent way uh, through the season. And we're doing mm -hmm. that to see if it works, but also see if we can get maybe a more environmentally compliant liquid uh, spoon-fed option on fertility to feed the plant. His name is Matt Miles. 
joined by Lane Miles, defender of Damian Mason. I appreciate the hearing that. Uh, Till next time, (laughs) this is Extreme Hag, and we're making you smarter with our labs. Thanks for being here.